And I've chosen a particular teaching today because it is Mother's Day. So open your Bibles to John chapter 4 and we'll get there in a moment. But I do want to say to all of you that are mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers, we honor you, we welcome you. You've heard me say before that my father's mother was the only Christian on either side of my family for a long time. And it was her stubborn faith that brought me and my father uh, side of the family into the kingdom of God. So we're grateful for godly examples and for moms who love Jesus. And we have some idea how hard your job is. When our children were younger and Jamie would have occasion to leave town and put me in charge, I would pray for travel mercies that she could get back safe as soon as she could. Because that was hard. In fact, when she would get back and I would go back to work, it would feel like I was going back to vacation from the job I had while she was gone. Because it is a consuming thing to be a mother. It requires a lot of wisdom. All you moms will relate to the story of the mother that puts her five-year-old son to bed. And after a few minutes, she hears from the dark room these words, Mom, can you please come bring me a drink of water? And she says, Now you had your chance when we were getting ready for bed, and it's past that time now, so go to sleep. And of course, five minutes later, Mom, can you please come bring me a drink of water? And she says, Now, son, we're not going to play that game. Don't call out to me anymore, or I will come in and give you a spanking. So, of course, five minutes later, Mom, When you come in to spank me, can you bring me a drink of water? (laughs) Because if there is one phrase that moms have heard a thousand times, it's, I'm thirsty. You know what? Jesus is familiar with it too. And the drink that he offers has quite an impact. So in John 4, to set the context, in verse 4, it says, Jesus, who's been down in Jerusalem, in fact, he had this incredible conversation with a man named Nicodemus, he wants to go back to Galilee, where he's raised. So it says, he had to go through Samaria. Well, the truth is, he didn't have to go through Samaria, and most Jews didn't. They went around Samaria because of their contempt for Samaritans that we'll get into in just a moment. So when it says that he had to go through Samaria, it's not talking about convenience as much as it is obedience. Because there is a divine appointment waiting for him that would be well worth it. So starting then in verse 5, we read, So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot of ground, Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired... Oh, let's stop just a second. God does not get tired. God doesn't need naps. God doesn't go to sleep. But this is God in the flesh. This is God fully human. And he got tired from the journey. So he sat down by the well. And it was about noon... And when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? And his disciples had gone into town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift 
of God. And who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And so he's doing it again. Jesus is going out of his way to engage another person that most people went out of their way to avoid. But there were some big walls around that well. One was the wall of race. The Jews considered Samaritans to have perverted blood. They were the product of intermarriage between Jews and Gentiles, particularly Babylonians during the years of exile. And in some ways, they considered these people even more contemptible than Gentiles because of their mixed blood. They're a polluted people with a polluted religion. And the Samaritans felt the same way. And so when she says, I'm a Samaritan and you're a Jew, she spit those words because in her history, the only Jewish men who ever acknowledged her wanted more than water. You see, they lived in a day where it was just a common assumption some lives matter more than other lives. And so they had ways to decide who mattered most. And one of the ways they decided was race. That race was one way to decide someone's place. And sadly, we have to admit There's a lot of evidence the world hasn't changed that much. And then there was the wall of gender. Now consider how his disciples have expanded some of their narrow attitudes since hanging out with Jesus. Before Jesus came along, they would never hang out with a leper. They were unclean. Or a demon-possessed person. And certainly not a tax collector. Now a tax collector's in their club. I mean, these guys have really changed a lot. In fact, where are they buying food? In Syker, a Samaritan town. They are eating food prepared by Samaritans. Something they never would have thought of before Jesus showed up. And so, as much as they've grown. Watch this, verse 27. When his disciples returned, they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. In that day, women were considered inferior in almost every way. And no rabbi ever discussed spiritual things in public with women. Until Jesus showed up. He didn't just heal women. He let women follow him. In fact, their monies helped support his ministry. He let women crash all guy parties and anoint him. And he would teach publicly with women right there at his feet. 
And it's worth observing that when he was dying on the cross, all the dudes deserted him. And the women were still there. Most of us have no idea how much Jesus has changed the way we look at people. Even people that have no place for Jesus have no idea how much he's changed their place. There's a brilliant anthropologist and secular humanist at Stanford University named Rene Girard. And he was uh, intrigued by this question. Where did the momentum come for movements that advocate for the helpless? Because the ancients never did that. The ancients celebrated the strong, the mighty, the conqueror, not the weak, the oppressed, the disadvantaged. So where did all this energy come to speak out for the homeless or the oppressed or the child or the slave? And he studied history and concluded it all came back to one moment in time. The ministry of Jesus. That this one man, no matter what you think about him, has changed the way the world looks at the weak and the oppressed. And to the surprise of his colleagues, Rene Girard started following Jesus. Because Jesus did not see the walls that most people build to decide what place other people belong in. But he did see a wall most people don't see. The wall of sin. So starting in verse 13, Jesus said, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water. So I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, Go call your husband. Come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. And now you know why she was at the well in the middle of the day. In that time, women would get up early in the morning And they would go to the well with other women for their protection when it was cool. And they would get the water they would need for that day. And then they would come back in the evening with other women for their protection when it was cool. And they would get the water they would need for the night. And they did not come out in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, by themselves. Unless they were the woman that mothers warned their sons about she was that lady the lady with the reputation the lady the other ladies did not want around so she's trying to avoid people she is not looking for an encounter with God and she wasn't excited to see a man especially a Jewish man at that well And then he turns out to be a lot kinder than any man she's met in a long time. Until she realizes he's a prophet. 
And then she prepares herself for what she has become used to to her whole adult life. Rejection. Because the biggest wall of all was this wall of worthlessness. Remember, she lived in a time where it was just commonly accepted. Some people matter more than other people. And you determine through ethnicity and through gender and through religion and ethic who those people were. And so racially and sexually and morally, everyone agrees she's in last place. And things haven't changed that much. We still use some pretty worthless ways to determine and establish worth. But Jesus was different. Jesus is different. Jesus never treated a human being like an issue. He did not say, divorced five times? Well, I'm going to send you a link to the position paper from our denomination on marriage and divorce, and you need to read it. Because he didn't see a woman that needed a lecture. He saw a woman that needed some water. Look again at verse 10. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Because Jesus knew her soul is as parched as the land she lives in. This is not an evil woman. This is a woman desperate to quench something Deep inside that is killing her. And Jesus knew she is going to keep feeling what she's feeling as long as she keeps doing what she's doing. And so are you. You see, it might be well worth it. To consider if the well you keep going to is worth it. Because no trip is worth it that ends at the wrong well. This woman thinks if I just had a bigger bucket, I wouldn't have to come here so much. She doesn't need a bigger bucket. She needs a better well. Look again, verse 13. Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. How many times do we go to wells that don't quench our thirst? And we just keep making trips. We go to the well of performance. If I can just score enough. If I can just 
earn enough, if I can just achieve enough, if I can just get enough degrees, somebody will validate me. And we keep having to go back because they keep raising the bar. We try the well of romance. If I can just find the right him, if I can just find the right her, they will validate me and I'll be someone finally. How's that working out? We try the well of wealth. If I could just get a better house, if I could just get a newer car, if I could just have a better job. We even try the well of religion. If I can just learn this, if I can just do that, somebody will think I matter. And if you are a woman in our polluted culture, there is tremendous pressure to go to this well called appearance. Last weekend I was at the uh, airport in Los Angeles and I do what I always do in airports. I go to the place where they sell magazines. I don't buy them. I don't even pick them up. I just look at the covers to see what our culture thinks is important. And every time I go, there's the same face or two on all the covers. And I always have the same thought. Enjoy your 15 minutes. Because next year, we'll be tired of you. And we'll need a new face. Now, here's the fact. 98% of women in America will never have the body shape of the people they put on those covers. The average woman in America is three inches shorter and 40 pounds heavier than the average Miss America. And we keep sending the message, you need to go to that well if you want validation. And what's it doing? 42% of first through third grade girls in our culture think they're too heavy. 80% of 10-year-old girls want to lose weight. 70% of girls 18 to 30 don't like their bodies. 50% of the women in our culture will at some point try some sort of unhealthy way to lose weight. And 20 million women at some point will have an eating disorder. Because of this sick idea, if I just keep going to that well, somebody will validate me. I see it all the time. And most of the people I see that are making really bad choices are not doing so out of wickedness. They're doing it out of dryness. Like this woman that keeps going from man to man to man. And bed to bed to bed. Not because she's evil, but because she's so parched. And what she's doing is numbing the pain. But it's not nourishing the soul. And that's why Jesus was actually being kind when he said, Get your husband. He is gently exposing the well that she keeps going to that isn't working. And he still does. 
How do you respond when the Holy Spirit exposes the places you go when you're thirsty inside? And have you ever thought that maybe the reason Jesus isn't giving you what you want is because he's trying to show you what you need? Because only Jesus can satisfy the thirst for worth. See, most of us think the answer is outside of us. Out there somewhere, there's a well, and I won't get thirsty if I just find it. And we wear ourselves out going to wells that prove to just be cisterns. As I've already mentioned, ladies, one of the wells culture tells you to run to is called looks or appearance. I'm going to go out on a limb and tell you another one. It's called family or relationships. I want you to listen closely because there's great potential for what I'm about to say to be misunderstood. I understand how consuming it is to be a mother. It's the greatest and hardest job you'll ever love. When you have that baby, life is forever changed. I heard about a young mom just had a little girl and she spent countless hours playing peekaboo and all the things you do to entertain little children. Middle of the night, she gets out of bed. She stumps her foot on the dresser. She's crying. It hurts. Her husband says, where does it hurt? She looks up. She says, it's the little piggy that ate roast beef. I mean, when you are a mom, your brain is consumed with the job. And the problem is not a mother who thinks her family is worth it. The problem is looking to family for your ultimate sense of worth. We're a culture that is determined to keep score so we can decide where to place people. And we turn everything into a competition. Even children. Have you got that AB Honro sticker on your minivan yet? Did your kids make the select team? I can't believe her kids act like that in public. Where do they get their clothes? What kind of scholarships did they earn? What awards did they get on field day? And we look to our children. And how they turn out to validate us. And there's a lot of problems with that. What about the child that has very real and deep emotional struggles? What score is the culture going to give you for that? What about the young woman who desperately wants to be a mother? And hasn't had that privilege. 
What about the child that goes the wrong way? You see, here's, here's the thing about young people. They're free agents. And when they get old enough, they can go play on whatever team they want to play on. Not necessarily the team you tried to teach them to love. And the problem is not thinking your family's worth it. The problem is thinking your family is supposed to be the source of your worth. Because nothing outside of you, no matter how valuable, can be the measure of your value. You don't matter because you've raised amazing sons and daughters. You matter because the Son of God died for you so that you could be the daughter of God. And Jesus said, you're going to have to find that worth from that fresh bubbling stream within. He goes on to explain John chapter 7. Anyone who's thirsty, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this he meant the Spirit. Whom those who believed in him would later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not yet been given. Since Jesus had not yet been glorified. What does that mean? I'm about to preach a gospel. You're going to preach a gospel on Mother's Day? I'm going to preach a gospel especially on Mother's Day. We're all screw-ups. How's that for a Mother's Day line? (laughs) And our sin has separated us from a holy God. And we needed a Savior. And He came, born of a woman. Fully God, fully man. Totally sinless. And He goes to a cross in our place. He was our substitute. And on that cross, He said, I thirst. And maybe that's more than just a statement that his throat is dry. Maybe all our dryness, everything within us that wants to be quenched, every well we've ever gone to that was polluted, maybe he took all of that on himself. And they put him in a tomb and three days later he raised from the dead to validate God's approval of what he did for us. But it didn't stop there. It says he ascended to heaven. Why? Jesus said, it's better for you if I go so that I can send the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 2, the Spirit comes and twice it says, and he has poured out the Holy Spirit on us. Poured into us the refreshing river of the Spirit to drench our hearts, to saturate us. With what? Paul says in Romans, God has poured out his love. Into your heart. Through the Holy Spirit. And you don't need anything outside of you anymore. To validate you. To affirm you. To tell you that you matter. If you will learn to listen. To that sweet. Refreshing. Bubbling voice. Of the Spirit. That you are the beloved. Of God. And it will never be well. With your soul. Until Jesus is the well for your soul. And when you drink from Him, there will be an impact. She says, well, I know Messiah is going to come. 
And Jesus looked at her. And for the first time ever in public, he said, I am he. And she got excited. And this lady that has spent most of her adult life trying to avoid people, now she can't find people fast enough. She runs into town and she tells everybody she can find, you got to come meet this guy. Because water this good has just got to be shared. Because here's what happens when you have that point of impact with Jesus. You become a bucket for Jesus. She left her bucket at the well because, get this, she's now carrying water. And there's no greater gift you can give to the people you love than to be a bucket for Jesus. To drink deep from Him and carry that water to someone else. Today will be the first time in 32 years that I will not pick up a phone and call Bobby Lydon. She was my mother-in-law. She passed away in January. She was an awesome mother-in-law. She loved her kids and her grandkids ferociously. But I never knew much about her faith. I never heard her pray. My mother-in-law grew up in a time and in a day and a church that taught her you can't be sure of your relationship to God. Maybe you haven't done enough. Maybe you don't know enough. And those tapes played in her mind for decades. And about two years ago, Something happened. And she became a new person. She couldn't stop talking about her faith. Every time the family got together, she would insist that we would have devotionals and she would pray. And she would pray over every one of us by name. And two days before she died, and we didn't know it was coming, it was a sudden, unexpected passing. Jamie had the privilege to be with her and just say, Mom, what has happened to you? And she told Jamie that in Isaiah 49, there's a verse that says, Could a mother forget the child at her breast? I will never forget you. And something clicked. And she realized as ferociously as she loves her babies, God loves her. And she looked up at my wife and she said, I always knew God loved everybody. I had a hard time believing He could love me. But Jamie... He does. He loves me. He really, really loves me. And she just started laughing. Isn't that a pretty cool last memory to have of a mother? 
Because she finally found the right well. And the trip was so worth it. So I'm going to pray over you. And I'm asking, Father, now in Jesus' name, that you help us to recognize the propaganda around us, sending us to this well and that well to find what you want to give. And I'm praying especially right now for my sisters. There is so much deceitful advertising about where they're supposed to go to believe they matter. And so I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will be strong in their hearts today. And they will not drown out the whisper of the Spirit of God. You are the blood-bought, always-loved daughter of the ruler of the universe. Oh God, help us right now to take a long, deep drink from Jesus. I pray in His name. Amen. Please stand. Mighty people of prayer are going to be down front. I know God has touched some hearts today and you want to do some business with God. You want to come and ask for prayer. You want to come and ask for healing. You want to come and get saved. I believe right now somebody is hearing Jesus say, I am He. So please come while we sing.